I think that's why um, Pastor didn't notice me in the front seat with the suit. <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> just when I'm getting sorted. If we could turn to the book of Joshua, just chapter 1, just to get us started. These scriptures are familiar, but I just felt the Lord was leading me in this direction. And we can't ever get familiar about the Word of God because it's the Spirit of God that reveals it. It's not words on a page and it's not just ink. It's the living Word of God. And He can speak to us again and again from sometimes from the same scripture, the same verse, may only be even a single word. So we don't want to ever get familiar. Let's just commit our time unto the Lord. Father, we just praise you tonight. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you, to come and lift up our voices and sing the glories of your name, Lord God. And Lord, as we come to your word now, Lord, we pray that your spirit would highlight it to us. Lord, as we've said, it would not just be words on a page, but Lord, it would be the, 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 the living word of Almighty God. Lord, bless your people tonight. Let us hear what your spirit is saying and let us go out of here tonight changed because of what you have said. For your glory and your honor we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just reading a few verses from Joshua 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an, inherit an inheritance the land, which I swore unto their fathers to give them. <clears throat> Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Amen. Joshua is standing on the border of the promised land. How did he feel? How did Joshua feel at this particular moment? Now sometimes we romanticize it, we skip over the details. And this is why the Lord encourages us to think a bit deeper. How did Joshua feel at this particular moment? There's two plus million people before him. We always associate the, the children of Israel, two million plus with Moses. 
But here, Joshua is in the same place. There's two million plus before him. Moses, the leader, is dead. Joshua's thinking, how do I fill his shoes? How am I going to lead the way Moses led? Because Moses was a big figurehead. Moses was the man. For 40 years, Moses had led these people right to the brink of the promised land. How do you fill the shoes of a man like this? And I'm sure Joshua, genuinely, because from our reading there, the Lord had to encourage him in several verses. I'm sure his knees was wobbling. I'm sure he was thinking to himself, I'm in trouble here. What am I going to do? You know, he'd walked with Moses. He'd watched Moses in action. But he's not Moses. And he knew rightly he wasn't Moses. This is a whole different level that God has brought Joshua to. You know, he can't turn around to Moses and say, Moses, what do you think? What way, what way would you do this? You know, when this happens, what, what, what do I do? How did you feel? What did you think? How did it work out for you? He can't ask Moses that. Joshua feels frightened. I would say he feels frightened. He's maybe feeling a little intimidated. He's maybe feeling a little inferior. When I say a little, I think a lot inferior. And I'm sure he takes a deep swallow at the, at the, the thought of the task ahead. When we think about Joshua, he's thinking, what am I going to do? And the Bible talks of countless others throughout the Bible, throughout these pages, of people that were in the same position. They were standing on the, on, the, on the edge of something big. They were standing on the edge of the real thing that God had called them into. They'd reached this place where God says, now is the time. And I'm sure they, their knees wobbled, just like Joshua's. And maybe tonight, you think of yourself. Maybe you're standing somewhere on the edge of something that God has called you to. That you're about to enter into something and you think, this is a big step. I was just thinking there, there's going to be three daddies and three mommies in here pretty soon. New daddies, new mommies. And you're thinking, oops. <laughs> what do you do? You know, I sit and I think, I'm, I have no children yet. But I think, if you're holding it now, well, what if I... This is, this is the way my mind thinks. Maybe yours doesn't, but you're thinking, what if I, well, you know, I'm holding it, and I, and I accidentally drop it. <laughs> Listen, that thought has went through my head, and maybe it's went through your head. And the mommies are thinking, you know, what, what are we going to do? You know, we've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. And the daddy's going, what am I going to do? Mommy's organizing, Danny's panicking. So, <laughs> is that about right, Johnny? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I think there's going to be, a, next month, a new husband and wife. There's been a new husband and wife already this year. And there's going to be a new one in November. And you're on the edge of it. And you think, oops. <laughs> and you think, what am I going to do? It's not two million people before you, but it's a big choice. It's a big place 
where you're going. And every one of us is on that and in that place, literally on a daily basis, whether it's in work, whether it's with children, whether it's within our marriages, whether it's about, you're thinking about relationships, everything, they're big decisions. And I like what God says to Moses, where does he, or to Joshua, where does he direct him? Where does God direct Joshua to? And it'll be the same place where he directs us to. He directs him to his word. In verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God directed him to his word. He encouraged him to his word. Listen, the word is a hinge that our future depends on. If we are going to go into the future, we better make sure we get into the future with the word of God. Our future success depends on God's word. And God will direct us. When we go to God, he brings us to his word. And he directs us and shows us the way forward. He encourages us through the word of God, through prophetic word. They back one another up, just as Clifford with Ken tonight. We need to hear what God is saying to us. The Wall Street Journal reported that nearly 1,000 different cookbooks are published each year in America. Many of them glossy, full color, and very expensive. But at the same time, fewer and fewer people are cooking and increasing numbers are eating in restaurants. The reporter for the journal, journal interviewed one lady, a portfolio manager in New York. She has acquired 16 cookbooks in the last four years and subscribes to two cooking magazines. But the last time she prepared a sit-down meal was four years ago, and she said it didn't turn out right. There are more Bible translations, study aids, and devotional books now than ever. Christian publishing is a big business in America, and here also. But for all that, people are reading and studying their Bible less and less. That's unusual. It is unusual. All these cookbooks you see, especially at this time of the year, being released for Christmas. But we have the Word of God all the study aids, all the commentaries, and yet we're studying and reading it less. That shouldn't be so. This is the word of God. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119, to my mind, is nearly like it's all about the Word of God. It's like the Bible in miniature. It encourages, it, almost every verse talks about the Word of God. Actually, there's 198 references to the Word of God in 176 verses. 198 references to the Word of God in 176 verses. Now, if that doesn't tell us God's trying to say something, what does? He drives us to the word. You know, it tells us that this psalmist, whether it was David or whoever, he was captured by the word of God because it's all he talked about. This was him. This, he, 
he, he ate it and he breathed it, he talked it and he walked it. And when we read through Psalm 119, we're not going to read it all tonight, but I want to encourage you to go home and read it. It talks of the word of God. Verse 14 of Psalm 119 says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as in all riches. What does this verse say to us? just want to break it down into three areas here. And we want to start at the, the, the end of it. You know, before there can be a rejoicing, there has to be a value placed on it. As much as in all riches. How do you place value in something? How do you place value on the word of God? What can you compare it to? What does it compare it to? What value do you and I place on the word of God? You know, this, this psalm says, above, sorry, as in all riches. And he's not saying, if I had all the money in the world, this would be equal to it. He's using it to, to say a point that it's the highest thing that I can think of. The value of it, this is the highest thing I can think of, is that all the riches in the world. But what he's saying, if I had all of that, it's still worth more. It's all he could think of. You know, it's so high, it's on a different level. Two other verses in the same chapter, verse 127 says, you don't have to turn to these. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. And Psalm, or verse 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. So let me ask you, what do we measure the word of God against? Where is our level? Where is the comparison that we put in for the word of God? Where's our level? We would say, you know, I've had all the money in the Bank of England. Or all the tea in China. We've used those phrases. But where is the level in our lives? Where do we place the word of God? Is there a comparison in our lives to the word of God? Do we compare it to something? But the psalmist didn't, he didn't use this as a comparison. He says it's way above that. It's way above riches. You notice what he says? Above fine gold. Not just gold, but above fine gold. It's way up. Great spoil. He just didn't say spoil. He says great spoil. It's above great spoil. The psalmist has the word of God on a whole different level. What do we measure this against? What do we value it against? That may ask, is it a cookbook? Is it among the cookbooks? Is the Bible among the cookbooks in your house, in your life? Is it an emergency first aid kit? When trouble hits, I better read the Bible. Better hear what God wants to say to me. And listen, we can all be like this at times. I'm not talking in a vacuum. I've done this myself. Is it an emergency first aid kit? God, I need a scripture. Trouble is hit. There's trouble. And many a time God answers those prayers. 
Is it part of your outfit on a Sunday? Do you sit in the house with me put my suit on? Does my Bible come with me? I've read I'm complete now. Is it part of my outfit on a Sunday? Or is it part of your outfit every day? You know, you think people have family Bibles. Call them family Bibles. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch in imagination that they're never read. They maybe have a place in the home. They're open to a certain scripture or maybe it's just sitting there as you go in through the, through the door in the hall. And basically what it has become, it's become an ornament. You may as well have Royal Dalton up. It has become an ornament because the family Bible is only there to look good. It's among the other things. It's among the ornaments. It's among the other books. Or let me ask, is it the inspired word of God to you and I? Is this book the voice of God to you and I? Is it God's truth to you and I? Ask you the question tonight, is this the word of God to us? The Bible says, and again it's Psalm 119, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Verse one, that's verse 160. Do you know Satan values this word? He puts great value on it. Because that's why he fights it so hard. That's why he tries to twist it so hard. Pastor touched on the Garden of Eden this morning. He twisted the word because he knows the value in this word. And that's why he keeps trying to destroy it. To get it out of schools. To get it out of public life. Satan values this word. That's why he fights it. But we have to value it as our lives depend on it. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. One writer puts it, the Bible never claims to be one holy book among many, but the holy book above all. The holy book above all. Listen, doesn't matter what writings it is, whether it's Islam, Buddhism, whatever you want, this is the inspired word of God. This is the truth, and it is the truth from the beginning, and it will be the truth going forward, and there will be no end. The Bible says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Listen, there's great value. What value do you have on the word of God? Is it the inspired word of God? And if we value it, it will not be so hard a task to obey it. If we value something, then we tend to pay special attention to it. Listen, if, 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 well, this, this is a great stretch of the imagination. If your wife come home and says, I've bought you a Ferrari. <laughs> and you go out, and there it is in the driveway. And it's gleaming, gleaming. Listen, would you pay special attention to it? You bet your life you would. I, don't even, I think you'd be frightened to drive it. Fingerprints on it, your wee duster taking them all off, it would look immaculate every day because you've put value on it. Then it says in that verse, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. 
I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. In the way of thy testimonies. Not only have I rejoiced in thy testimonies, but in the way of thy testimonies. Do you know there's two ways? There's the right way, which is God's way, and there's the wrong way. But we rejoice in the way of the testimonies. We value it, we will obey it, we will walk in the way that the Word directs us, the way the Word shows. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is two ways. Turn with me just quickly to Genesis 13. Again, a familiar story. just want to make a few points on it. And this is the story of Abraham and Lot. And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, on to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, on to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram, Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Parasite dwelled them, then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and, the, and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as thou comest on to Soar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. I just want to stop there, we'll come back to that. Here again, Lot was at a fork in the road. There was strife between his herdmen and Abram's herdmen. And there was a fork in the road. And they couldn't sort it out. What way will he choose? What way will he choose? Verse 10 tells us he lifted up his eyes. And I think it's a bit more significant than he just took a look around. He lifted up his eyes. I think the eyes are significant because where he placed his eyes is exactly where his heart wanted to be. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that he looked with a little bit of selfishness and a little bit of, of, of desire, a little bit of greed. And he looked at the well-watered plain, and he says, that's where I want to be. It says, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. From then on, Lot was fighting uphill, because he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You know, when you think about it, he looked at the well-watered plains. It says they were like the Garden of Eden. Listen, let's not, before we start blaming Lot, we think about this too. We look at things and we think, 
That would satisfy my needs. That would get me to where I want to be. I would never have to worry ever again. But listen, was this where God was leading him? Was this where God was, le was leading you and I? To have our desires filled in these areas? Because I don't think Lot, maybe in his mind, he's seen all of this well-watered plain, like the Garden of Eden. But over here is these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think he blocked them out. Mentally, maybe he blocked them out. And he says, now look at all of that, that's good. Surely this is the blessing of God. Samuel made the same mistake when he went to anoint Jesse's sons. He went all through the sons and the first one came up, Eliab, and he says, this is the man. Look at the shape he's in. Look at him, he's handsome, he's lovely. He's well put together. He is keenly, he looks like a king. God said, no, that's not the one I had chosen. And he went through all of the sons until they came to David. So looks can be deceiving. We need to look twice and we need to check the word of God and we need to say, is this really where God wants me to be? Because we're very good at blocking out the trouble. We're very good at blocking out and think, well, I can handle that. Listen, but the word of God begs to differ. If it's not what God has for us, well, then there's no point in being there. He blocked out the trouble of Sodom and Gomorrah. What does that say to us? Listen, you can't play with sin. We can't play with sin because it will, it, it will get a grip on us. Pastor spoke on it this morning. It, just, it gets a hold of you. And when it has its way, it leads to death. There's a separation from God. We end up with leanness in our souls. And we're not the people we once used to be. You know, it was perfect as far as his needs were to be met. But from day one, Lot had trouble. From day one, Lot had trouble. And the very next chapter talks about war. There was war in Sodom. And Lot was taken prisoner. And Abraham had to go. Took his men with him and rescued him. He was captured. There was compromise in his life. There was the death of his wife. All because he looked and seen, hey, this is nice. But it wasn't what God had for him. It wasn't what the word of God said. You go that way. He looked with his eyes and he says, this will meet my needs. It ended up in incest with his daughters and his testimony was gone. Listen, this is what sin does. Again, pastor spoke on it really greatly this morning. The testimony was gone. And God can still deliver us and God can still bring us back. But listen, we don't want to go down that road. Do you know, if we took Lot back to that place, would he make the same mistake? Would he make the same decision? I don't think so. He chose a way that wasn't from God. But then we look at Abram and he made the decision to follow God. And we follow on there just from verse 11 there, verse 12. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly.
And the Lord said unto Abram, After Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Abram's needs was met by God. What a difference. What a different way. God, God pronounced blessings upon Abram. In the next verse, in the next chapter, it was to say, God gave him victory in war when he rescued Lot. God gave him the victory. And then on into chapter 15, verse 1 and 6, again, there was more blessing pronounced. Listen, if we walk in the way of God and in the word of the God and in the way it directs us, we will be blessed. Our way will be blessed. Yes, Abram made a few mistakes but his heart always wanted the way of God. It always sought the way of God. The Bible says, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What a difference. The way of God brings rejoicing. There's a way that seems right, and then there's a way that is right. And that's why God has given us his word. He directs us to a word, and he commands us to walk in it, Trust me. Walk in my will and my way. Walk in the way. If we value the word of God, we will walk in the way. And if we value it, I wasn't very good at physics in school. You know, the little equations, E equals MC squared. But just a simple equation, just value plus obedience brings rejoicing. Value plus obedience brings rejoicing. This is the outcome of the word of, the, the word of God. The, word, the outcome is rejoicing in our lives. Now, listen, I want to rejoice. I want rejoicing in my life. Now, hopefully you do. I believe you do. But it's only going to be found in the word of God. You know, back to Psalm 119 there. You know, think of the first verse in Psalm 119 is the word blessed. Blessed. What a way to start. Blessed. You know, the, the, the dictionary, the Vines Greek dictionary talk, says about the word denotes the state of prosperity or happiness that comes when a superior bestows his favor and his blessing on one. And in a deeper sense, it, it is blessed, knowing not just what God does for us, but knowing that God is with us. That is the greatest blessing, knowing that God is with us. You know, you think of Moses. Moses with the children of Israel. And God got angry with them and says, listen, Moses, you lead them. You lead them, but I won't lead them anymore. And Moses says, listen, if you're not going, I'm not going. You're not going, I'm not going. I'm paraphrasing that. Moses needed to know that God was with him. Joshua, in this chapter, he needed to know 
that God was with him. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. That must have been a great encouragement to Joshua. God, the way you were with Moses, you will be with me. What an encouragement. Pastor spoke the other week on Gideon. Gideon needed to know that God was with him. For what he was about to do was beyond human capacity. He needed to know that God was with him. You think of the disciples in the boat and the storm came up. But Jesus was in that same boat. And that was the secret, that Jesus was in the boat with them. Was we Sunday school chorus, with Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm. I'm not going to sing it because that's about all I know of it. But with Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm. Listen, we need to know that God is with us. And this, this whole Psalm 119 encourages in the word of God to see God in it and see what God is saying to us. Pastor spoke of this morning, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Listen, this word will keep us clean. It will keep us clean. Listen, if you're struggling with something, in your body, lust, sin, whatever, listen, this word will keep us clean. We go before God and say, God, I need your help. Lord, your word Says, tells me that it will keep me clean. We get on our knees before God and say, God, I need it. I need your deliverance. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to set me free. And listen, do you know what? He will. Because that's his word. Verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. You know, we have an awful habit of wandering. You know, we come in and we're going all gusto and we think, I'm going to stick to this. And then before we know it, we've wandered off track slightly. And we're maybe doing, we're not as strict as we used to be. We're not as tough on ourselves. And we let things wander. But this word will keep us from wandering. Verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Wondrous things. Listen, do you want to see the wondrous things of God? Listen, he will show them. Show them to us. He will reveal them to us out of his word. He will show us them. Verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. The word of God, what he shows you, you'll find your mouth dropping open and you will start to talk about him. You will start to speak of his wondrous works. As we get into the word and we start to find God in it, we'll start to talk about him. And we'll say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you how God got me through that. Let me tell you the things that God has promised me. Verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Listen, do you need strength where you are? Do you need strength where you're, what you're going through? Listen, the word of God strengthen you this word of God will get into you and you think I can do this because God lives within me and he is my strength when I am weak he is strong listen we could go, I could go on all night with 176 verses but I'm not going to and that's why I want to encourage you to go home and read Psalm 119 see the promises in it see what the word of God will do for us what the word of God will do through us we will be different people 
Just last, one last verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And I looked at the word liberty, and really basically what it means, it means roomy, wide, broad, proud. But not pride in, in a bad way, but in a good way. The word will cause us to walk at liberty where we can walk with our heads held high. With no shame. Not having to keep our heads down and thinking I've done this and I've done that. And beat yourself up. We can walk at liberty. The word of God will get inside of us. And the spirit will connect with it. And you will have your head held high. I want to walk at liberty. I want it to be roomy. You know, the world tells us that the Bible is restrictive. Listen, I will walk at liberty. The Bible disagrees with that. And I believe the Bible. It's not restrictive. Robert Murray McShane said that that most Christians believe that if they follow the ways of the Bible, the, the ways of God, that it will bind them and restrict them. Listen, it will bind us to God but it won't restrict us. We'll enter a whole new sphere of, of, of freedom. And God will put us in a place where we think, I never even knew this existed. God wants us to be free. He wants us to walk in a wide, broad, roomy place with our heads held high. I want that. Listen, go home, read it. Read Psalm 119 and encourage yourself in the word of the Lord. Just one last point. David, the psalmist says, as much as in all riches, and they talked about fine gold, and he talked about great spoil. I don't know about you, but I have never seen riches land on the side of the road. I've never seen fine gold just sitting in the field waiting on me. And I've never seen great spoil just there for the taking. Listen, riches, great riches, all riches have to be earned. Fine gold has to be mined. It has to go through the furnace. And great spoil has to be fought for. Listen, Johnny goes out to fit kitchens. And he, goes out, he walks around to the woman's house and she says, where's your tools? Oh, well, I didn't bring any with me. You know, well, how are you going to fit my kitchen? Oh, well, sure, we'll have a go at it. Listen, Johnny needs his tools with him. You go into work, you need your tools with you. Some use your hands, some use your mind. But we need our tools. We need them to be working. And listen, we need to work hard. You know, a miner goes with us, well, maybe not done this way nowadays, but with a pick and shovel. And he has to dig it out. And it is tough, dirty work. But the reward is what he's there for. And we will have to work hard. Listen, it's not just here, I'll pick that up. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because then we don't appreciate it. But we work hard. We get the tools that we need to do it. There's commentaries. There's Bible study aids. Listen, get them. And study the word of God. There's battles we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight the devil, the world, and our flesh. And listen, we have the tools to overcome them all because God has given us them through the blood of Christ.
You're going to need discipline. You're going to need determination. And you're going to need courage. But God is with you. God is with you and God is with me. Listen, there is a reward. It's all riches. It's fine gold and it's great spoil. And it's all in this. Listen, this is the most expensive thing that you can own. Not the words on a page, not the ink, but what it says about God. This is the word from Almighty God. This is the, this, this is the most prosperous thing you have. And I have. Because listen, what are we here for? 70, 80 years? Then what? We have an eternity to look forward to where we can be with, with God. But this is what he has told us here now. God says to Joshua, get this into your heart, into your mind. Don't depart from it. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Then you will have good success and you will prosper. But it is going to be tough. So set yourself, to discipline yourself, to, make, to, to be determined that you're not going to give up and be courageous because you will get the riches, you will get the gold, and you will get the spoil. There is a reward. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. The German Christian George Muller, who developed highly successful ministries to homeless children in the 19th century, wrote this in, the, in his diary on May the 9th, 1841. It has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. Before this time, my practice had been, at least for 10 years previously, as a habitual thing, to give myself to prayer after having dressed myself in the morning. Now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, and instructed. The first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious word was begin to meditate on the word of God, searching it, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of public ministry of the word, not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my soul. The result I have found to be almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes, my soul has been led to confession or to thanksgiving or to supplication. So that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. When thus I have been for a while making confession or intercession or supplication or have given thanks, I go on to the next words or verse, turning all as I go into prayer for myself or others, as the word may lead to it. By breakfast time, with rare exceptions, I am in a peaceful, if not happy, state of heart. The word of God. Listen, that's my message tonight. I believe that's what God has given me to speak to you tonight. The word of God. That's it. We need the word of God. 
in an age now where, where, where this world wants to just turn away from it and get it out of the way, we need to turn more to it. There is a happy state that God has for all his children. And you and I want to be there. I was thinking of the old chorus there we sing or the hymn, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God my Savior. Listen, we need to stand on the word of God like never before. Be determined. Be disciplined. Have courage. Listen, it's no easier for me than it is for you. But listen, the rewards will come. Let's commit this unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Again, in verse 97 of Psalm 100, he says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is rich. Rich with you. Lord, you, you inhabit every word that is in this book. Lord, I pray for your people tonight, Lord God, that as they, they open their Bibles, Lord, that those words would lift into their hearts and into their minds by your Holy Spirit, and they would know you in a whole new and different way. Lord, we need your Spirit to, to highlight this word to us, Lord. Lord, we, we ask you tonight, Lord, we're desperate for this word, Lord God. Lord, we live in an age where the word of God is, they're trying to destroy it, where, where this world and the flesh and, and, and Satan is trying to, to put it to the side, tell us it's not relevant. But Lord, this word is more relevant than ever. Lord, this is your word to your people. Lord, this is the word of almighty God to all mankind. Lord, we as your people, we want to, to, to have it enveloping us, Lord. We want it to just penetrate every area of our lives, Lord God, like never before, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We, we, we value your word, Lord God. We praise you tonight. We magnify you tonight. We thank you that you have given us your word, Lord. And your word is true from the beginning. For every your word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.